Hello, everybody. You're listening to Behind the Movement. I'm Kyle Fincham. My guest today, the conversation I will be sharing is with Anna Grundstrom. I'm thrilled and excited to be sharing this conversation with you. It was a very special one. Uh, here are my announcements. Uh, first, I'm off and running with the all of these infinite play workshops that are happening now until just about the end of the summer, um, starting in North America, going over to Europe. This past weekend, I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I want to extend the biggest thank you to everyone who was there. It was so much fun. It was so beautiful. It was such a like a, a charismatic and an excited um, group and I just can't thank you all enough for making it a really special weekend and I can't thank Shannon Elliott enough for organizing uh, for housing me for showing me around Santa Fe um, taking me out to eat some uh, amazing food I uh, had green and red chili it was delicious um, so yeah thank you all so much it was really special um, this weekend in just a couple days I'll be in Long Island New York that events hosted by locomotion New York the weekend after that the 28th and 29th of May I will be in Toronto and that event is hosted by the spirit loft and then after that uh, there will be a week off and then I'm headed to Europe um, the first couple events are in Salzburg and then Berlin and then Paris, and then uh, a whole bunch of workshops after that, I think another six or seven. Um, all the info for signing up for those is on my website, kylefincham.com. If you just go to the link that says Infinite Play, uh, all the info's there. If you're anywhere nearby where any of these events are happening, I would love to see you. If you have any questions, you can just shoot me a message. Um, the best way to do that is via email. It's just the Infinite Play Guy at gmail.com and I will always do my best to respond swiftly um, <clears throat> yeah those are my announcements hopefully I'll see you out there on the road uh, sometime between now and August in wherever uh, wherever you can find me uh, yeah that's what I got let's get to this podcast with Anna uh, this was really special I've had the, the great fortune to connect with people who I always feel like are kindred spirits. I don't know. It's like uh, you kind of put it out there and, and, and you find the people or, or, or they find you or somehow, I don't know, the stars align. But this is one of those situations where, yeah, I just felt like we, we knew each other and we were old friends from a, from, from a past life. Um, if you're not familiar with Anna's work, let me give you a, a, a little bit of her background here. With experience spanning 25 years of dancing, choreographing, performing, coaching, teaching, and facilitating, Anna has reached an expert level of personal development through movement and uses her knowledge to coach clients through their own journeys as a body-mind movement facilitator. She is deeply passionate about the body-mind practice and somatic experiencing and works to nurture that connection for people via movement in her signature method and class, Unstructured, which she offers in person and online. 
She incorporates dance and movement in various ways spanning from artistry to healing and everything in between. This was such an excellent conversation, such a special conversation. Uh, who knows? Stay tuned. Maybe Anna and I will will collaborate on something in the future. The fingers are crossed for that. Um, but in the meantime, please enjoy this conversation with Anna Grunstrom. How long have you been in New York? 25 years, 26 years. Really? Yeah. I've been in New York since the end of the 90s. I've been here for a long time. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I'm, I moved here 17 years ago in 2005. Yeah. But I know that there's like a, there's a distinct difference between like 90s New York and like early 2000s New York. Yeah. It's a difference between before 9-11 and after 9-11, I would say. Right. Yeah. Right. It was like, things were very different. It's like, I mean, like I was, I came here in 97, mm -hmm. um, but it was just a different vibe altogether. And then I think after 9-11, just a lot of things happened. Just, I mean, like also physically, like um, it was like the first time I saw people come to Brooklyn to like live and work. That, that had not happened before. Everyone, I mean, everything is designed to go into the city, but that definitely opened up a, a completely different um, sort of landscape. And then from there, it just... Kind of, yeah, it, it changed. And then with like the, uh, you know, technology and everything that happened also changed things, like the way that people spend money. And it wasn't like, you know, cash under the table anymore. It was like credit cards. And like everything was very legit. When I came, I was like, yeah, here, there's some cash in an envelope. That's your, you know, paycheck. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, nothing was legit. No. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, I remember getting to New York and like, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, like a, like a baby being born. If you're the parent, like you don't notice how it's changing because you're seeing it every day. Um, yeah. But then if people pop in and they haven't been there in a while, they see the differences. But I remember getting to New York and like listening to my disc man as I traveled around on the subway <laughs> and having those like funny Sony headphones that wrapped around the back of your head. Yeah. And I would carry my like a whole little fold of, of CDs in yes. my backpack yeah. as I, as I trekked around. Um, but it also meant that like nobody had their face down because there was no phone to look at. Yeah. Oh my so God. No. So, it was... <laughs> so it's yeah. like, unless somebody was reading, like you would, yeah, I remember like tons of people would reading, be reading like AM New York or, mm -hmm you know, like these different newspapers or village voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's just, there's not, there's not a ton, ton of that. Like, I mean, I have these moments where I'm sitting on the subway and it reminds me of this movie soul that I love so much. Um, a pick, it's, it, it's a, it's a Pixar film that I highly, oh, highly yeah. recommend, but it's very New York also. Uh, it okay. takes place <laughs> in New York. Um, but it's just, uh, sometimes I'll pause and look around and, and, and try to just, look and see how many of the people are, are looking up or looking at something other than their phone. And I almost feel like the entire train car has their face down, yes. not really seeing like what's happening around them or, or being aware of like, I don't know, all the different people that they're surrounded by and kind of like the uniqueness of that situation where you have so many different people in essentially one room together yeah. at a time. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. Yeah. I mean, like when I came, yeah, I didn't have a cell phone. I guess I had a cell phone at some point, like after 9-11, but it was like those small, I mean, it wasn't a smartphone. So it was like, yes, you would text, but it would take like forever. You know, you would be like, a a a b b b. It was like, I'm like, why didn't we do acronyms back then? Like now it's all like LL, you know, like back then it was like, we didn't do that. Um, but um but I also remember having an answering machine <laughs> and people, you know, you'd call and then you, you know, someone would leave a message and you'd come home and you check your answering machine. So there was like never like you, of course, you wonder if someone called you, but you could only be reached at a certain amount of you know hours in the day. You couldn't be reached all the time, you know, which sometimes we were like someone who you really wanted to call you with like waiting in front of the phone <laughs> or like run home and check your answering machine. But it wasn't like you were constantly checking because you couldn't. What are you going to do? Like run home <laughs> every, you know, every other minute. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting how, you know, we're kind of like gone from like the looking out to the, the looking down. And yet it's like this, I mean, we do, there, part of us is like, we do see, I don't know if we see more, we just see things differently, I guess, because we are looking at our screen. So we're, even though we're in like a subway cart, like we're there, but we're like really somewhere else if we're looking, you know, at a whatever post, um, which I think it's, it's, it's fascinating in one way that you can pretty much be looking at the, you know, connecting with the what's going on in like Australia, <laughs> but at the same, and it's fascinating that you can be so disconnected also in it with there's so many people around. Um, yeah. yeah, I forget who I was reading when the idea was proposed. It's like you know, it's almost like the idea that like so many humans like almost like think we're gods, like we're 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 something beyond what what else, everything else that exists on this planet and kind of saying like you know look at what we what we can do like why wouldn't people think that they're gods like we're we can do all the things that like people would consider godlike at other times in history like we can see these other parts of the world and communicate with people you know on, on the other side of the planet and we can you know get information instantaneously you know yeah. we can we can disperse information instantaneously like you know other points in history people are like oh like that is clearly godlike yeah i never thought about that <laughs> i feel like it's not i i i get i get the the godlike you know um idea but i also feel like it's like makes us almost less human but not godlike just uh just not robotic but yeah it it's I don't know I mean I I love technology and it's done so many great things I mean when I moved here I'm from Sweden so mm -hmm. when I moved here I think I was still like writing letters to my mom you know it's like nice to be able to whatsapp her and like facetime her and all of those things definitely has helped to keep um family and friends from 
from a distance, you know, like who live somewhere else um, at a, a, you know, much better connection. But um, there's also something with technology of, of it's just like the, the disconnect or the disconnect is to like, and even if we can do all this like amazing things, you're like, okay, but a lot of it is just, even if it's meant for us to like be together, I think that's why my, my not issue, but my challenge with technology is like it's supposed to bring us all together. And, and we are in one way because we can, you know, ever, like millions of people can watch the same video. And, and in some, in a lot of instances, those are great, right? But then it's also like just me and this device versus like, I mean, all the, the connections are in the device, but once the device is gone, like the connections aren't there anymore. Like the, this kind of like the energetic or like the, you know, then you just like click and it's like done. It's even like now, like we're talking on Zoom and whenever we're going to get off this call, it would be different than if we did meet in person because somehow when we meet in person, we would like say goodbye and then somehow it would linger. It wouldn't just like be like, leave meeting and then you would just be snap my fingers and you wouldn't we wouldn't be at the cafe anymore right there would be a a process of walking out together and like saying bye and you're going one way and I'm going one way but even in this which is amazing that we connect like this with with everyone but it's like once you leave that meeting it's just there's nothing there and I think that's what I'm, I'm missing in the actual connection of technology yeah, I love, I love the the idea that like we're missing the lingering. Yeah. Right. And then there's like a whole culture of people who think that things can just end like that. Yeah. When 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 there's so much more lingering in kind of like the the goodbyes or or I mean, even there's something to like the hellos too, where it doesn't just start right there like that. It's like, you know, the the whole process. Yeah. When you were talking about, you know, creating uh, these relationships from afar that technology is really helpful. I, I, I kept thinking to myself, it's like some of these technologies do a really good job of like bringing us closer to the, to the people who are far away, but in some ways creating a lot of distance with the people who are close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's very I, interesting. Yes. I realized I had this really great experience on the subway the other day, or maybe yesterday, actually, I wrote it so much, but I, um, I sat down and I like bumped this guy and nudged his shoulder. And I was like, oh, sorry. And he turned to me joking. He was like, oh, I'm happy you apologized because I thought we were going to have to fight, um, but was joking about it. <laughs> and, uh, and then starts telling me about how he grew up in this area and like remembers riding the L train, you know, 20 something years ago and like all the fights that were happening. And it was like the ghost train and just gave me this like great little, I don't know, between like four stops just told me a little bit about yeah. that time. And then it was like, Oh, like that, you know, I wish there was more of, of that. There's not a lot of people who feel like they can sit down on the subway and just like start chatting with the person next to them. You know, obviously the masks create another kind of layer of like disconnect between people. So it's like phones yeah. and, and masks. There's just this like, you know, people can't see each other's faces in the same way and get like the, that, that, that feedback that they would get through their nervous system about who this person is or how this person is. And then people's heads are all down. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big tragedy. I think there's a lot of missed conversations and a lot of missed opportunities to learn about that 
that lingering yeah. that you're talking about. Like even that, I thought about it when with that with this guy. Like there was a lingering process when like my yeah. my stop came and I had to get off and be like, okay, so it was so great talking to you. Like see you later. I'm happy we didn't have to fight. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like that thing instead of just being like, and we're done. Exactly. It's like zip. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lingering is like, I think it's so important. And it's, um, you know, it's, you know, it's energetic. And it's also, it makes you think about things too, right? You can't just um, somehow, I feel sometimes when you're, um, I feel like it's just like part of the process when you've interacted with someone. And sometimes when you're on like Zoom or something where you just, you know, click and you're like the meeting or like just off, there is like a, a different type of lingering, but you're like alone with it. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. Or you're just kind of like, okay, that's it. And I'm just like shutting down. But it's like, what you're saying, like when you're doing like this, like goodbye, it's like, you know, oh, nice to see you. Great meeting you. You know, uh, we'll have to talk soon. You know, there's like this kind of drawn out that just like kind of feels like fades like naturally mm-hmm. versus something that's being cut off. Um and then that just like this spontaneous, um, you know, uh, moments that you're talking about too, about like, you know, bumping into someone in the subway and there's like this, you know, kind of randomness of things happening. And that randomness doesn't happen when we're on, you know, you're not going to watch a video and then ran, randomly like that video is going to change. Like it's <laughs> what you're watching is what you're watching. So it's rare. I mean, uh, for that kind of randomness to, you know, happen these days because we don't, you know, because we maybe are not interacting that same way. And I really, that was something I missed like really a lot during COVID when we were um, really isolated because that's also when you kind of, what you're saying, like you're meeting a person, you don't know what they're going to say they tell you a story and you're like, oh, wow, it makes you think of other things. And like your brain starts going and then there's like this whole creative, you know, imagination kind of play in your head that starts happening, you know, but when you don't have that sort of input and when everything is so calculated and when you just like choose what you get to see versus experience, you know, and make the choices in real time, it's it's just a really different, I think, for for human beings like we're we're we 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 need that sort of random spontaneous kind of interactions in order for us to really kind of you know get into who we are and like when we're just kind of set in our ways or just kind of choosing I'm just going to engage with these people I'm just going to engage in this social media I'm just going to do this we cut ourselves off and um yes I really love that you're bringing up that on the train where you just kind of randomly bump into one another. And I know today it's different. We have the phones, like you said, we have the mask and everyone's like really cautious, but yeah, I really, anytime that it happens or even like talking to, you know, whoever the barista in your coffee shop, that was like the highlight of during COVID because you never know what was going to be said, right? It wasn't like engaging with someone in a, you know, TikTok video. It was actually like someone's talking and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about that. Oh, okay. You know, and it gets your like brain, your body, your everything going. And that's, that's hard, I think, with technology. Yeah. It's like in some ways, like some of these things when we exist in these like 
where we're, we're, where we're not kind of like with what's happening there in front of us and, 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 and addressing the randomness. It's like, we're not at being asked to be creative as often and frequently, right? Yeah. Because like when you address randomness and surprise, those are creative moments. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's cliche, but it's true. If you don't use it, you lose it. Absolutely. So it's like rich potential for creativity. And, and we keep trying to like limit its use because creativity can be uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's so richly human and we just like do this thing to, to, to slow it down when, yeah. you know, we're missing out on, on, on so many things, not just the connections, but also like our, our legitimate human potential for like, you know, being these creative beings that, that and who knows where the creative creativity leads to. You know, yeah. sometimes it's just satisfaction. Sometimes it's it's just the joy of like addressing a moment. You know, I, I yeah. think a lot of people are like, they want to know how it's going to like help their productivity or their, their whatever. But I'm like, no, no, it's just, it's just that it's human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like doesn't have to lead to something. But I think that's also, you know, like, again, going back to, you know, the world that we live in, it's not, we're not really encouraged and I say this all the time, like we're not encouraged to rest. We're not encouraged to reflect or to just be the, the society that we live in. We're encouraged to do. So anything that is, you know, if we talk about creativity, people want to know, like, what is this going to do for me or what can I do with it? You know, that it has to lead to something. And especially with this, you know, like the world of like, you know, marketing yourself and, and doing all of the things and always being productive and ambitious. And, um, and it's like you said, with creativity and, you know, imagination, I mean, like if we didn't have that, I think that's just, just such key to everything and just be able to, you know, I don't know, observe and be in it and just kind of get a kick out of it and it doesn't have to lead to anything but it is as you said it's part of who we are it's part of human beings like we are we are all creatives right and it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to like create something but we're still you know as our nature is that we we do create things we create moments we create uh interactions we you know create you know, whether it's like internal, like imaginations and dreams, or if it's, we're creating a place for our family or whatever it is, like we do create all the time. And I think most of the times when people think about creating something these days is creating something for someone else or for an, a larger purpose or for, versus just, we, I mean, we, we are, <laughs> we just are creative creatives so yeah yeah you're right it's like it's it's always led to not always led to believe but people have come to think that like some amount of creative work has to be only for like consumption like it's there to yeah. like be presented in some way where it's like no, no no if you walk out the door today you're a creative because yeah. your body and your mind is doing creative things to navigate sidewalks and conversations yeah. and interactions so like creativity is super small like you slipped and caught yourself and it's super big like you know like the the you know like beethoven's whatever symphony you know like it's it's the whole span of the spectrum of like creativity yeah for mm -hmm. sure yeah
I'm curious, what brought you to New York? Uh, well, I wanted to leave Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I went to dance school here. That's where I came, actually. I went to the um, Alvin Ailey American Dance School for like a two-year dance program that they had. And um, yeah, there weren't like a lot of dance school options in, in Sweden. So um, I came here and I also just really wanted to go to New York because I grew up with, you know, with the TV show Fame. So <laughs> I was very, I was like, I want to go there. That sounds, seems really cool. Um, so yeah, I went to, um, I did that program for like two years and then I ended up staying. I went to college here and uh yeah I just there was like no I didn't want to go back I didn't know what I would do you know in Sweden it didn't really feel like a place where I wanted to be and I felt much more home here and then you know it was in the late so I was in my early 20s and um you know it's like that time when I'd made so many friends over like the two years of dance school and then college that moving to Sweden then would be kind of weird because then I would have to like start from scratch like all of my friends had already you know doing their thing um so yeah I ended up just staying here amazing Alvin Ailey I mean that's that's um even I you know I remember like before I even started doing movement stuff I was aware of Alvin Ailey yes I hope everyone is because it's like I feel like it's the you know America's like most famous like dance institution dance company I mean um I actually want to see them uh so every they do their season at the city center every December and I went this year or I mean like 2021 and it's just like reminded of you know so much history um that you that I mean that they have the company as I went when it was like an early only night meaning like they're only pieces by early so they're like really you know they're from like the 60s and the 70s um these pieces and then just like the fact that they've you know kept them and that they have so much you know weight and value and um yeah and I think that's like just really beautiful about the arts like um Sometimes I feel like it's, for me, it's been really hard to like read history books and things like that. Like I love reading, but not like history books, <laughs> mm -hmm. like stories. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to art, it's somehow like I, it's easier for me to understand the relationship between worlds and history when, when I see it in performing arts or in, you know, visual arts. So yeah, I mean, it's, um, the company is, amazing and I mean he was such he, he such a legend and everything that he had to go through for his company to be you know um the way that they were and and I, I'm just yeah it's it's a huge part of history so yeah so it was a great 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 to go to school there and um I met a lot of great people so yeah wow did you start dancing professionally um after coming out of there no, I mean, I want, like, I try to, like, go on, you know, auditions and, but I started dancing really late in life for being a dancer. So I started dancing in, like, my early teens and I was just, like, really driven, I think. And then I was like, I'm going to go to the early school. But I didn't have, like, that really solid foundation that I 
feel that you kind of need to have. Mm-hmm. And also I didn't have, I mean, the dance world back then was also very different. So I, you know, we're talking end of the nineties, beginning of 2000, going to auditions. Like today, if, if I would be, you know, if that would be, if I would be my age today and do the same thing, I would think I would have a lot more options or a lot more opportunities because the way that I look, it can be very um, ambiguous, right? Like people are like, where are you from? Like I can fit in some, and today it's like very encouraged to, mm-hmm. you know, not look like, the, or to look like mixed or not really sure what race she is. But back then it wasn't like that, right? It was, most company was predominantly white of like, if you look at like modern modern dance or contemporary dance companies. And if I wanted to go into like Broadway or something, same thing there, it wasn't, there was just like not, I just never really felt like there was a place for me uh, physically. And also I didn't really have the confidence and didn't really have the connections of like where I could go. So I feel like things were much more like separated when I, um, at that time that it kind of took away every, like it, it just took away like the spirit of dancing. And I think in the heart of it, like, yes, I was like, oh, I want to be on Broadway. It sounds great. But I just really wanted to dance. <laughs> like I didn't really care. And even that was hard. And I mean, dancers, I mean, of course, you, you meet people and you dance for them because like there are always like emerging choreographers who wants to try their work and all of those things. But yeah, I just felt like I didn't really fit in anywhere. I couldn't really see myself anywhere. Um, and I probably didn't have like the confidence also to push forward, which was I was like, yeah, I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go back to college or go, go to college since I haven't been to college mm-hmm. and, and do that. Um, but yeah, so that's, um, that's how that went. Mm-hmm. What, what did you end up studying in college? Uh, multicultural literature and creative writing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to, um, I love books. I love stories. I love to read and I love to write. And um, I was still dancing. Like I was still taking classes, but more like just for myself, like without like thinking that I was going to pursue it in a professional way. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I just knew that I, I wanted to learn more about, um, you know, I wanted to, learn more about literature or writers and stories. And I think, so I, you know, not growing up here, I don't know what you learn in high school, but the options to like go to college, well, where I went, because I went to, you know, CUNY, was kind of like, you could do like the English degree, but then you would have to learn all of these, like Shakespeare and Blake and whatever they're called. But growing up in Sweden, that's kind of already our, like you already learn about those, like they're already part of our literature. So I was like, I'm not going to pay money to learn about these, <laughs> you know, uh, old men again, because I'm not interested also in that type of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's very important to, uh, you know, read from a larger perspective of literature, of different cultures and um so that's what, so I chose my own major. So I created that. I went through the CUNY grad school for my undergrad because they had a program for people who had been out of school between like high school and college. 
And because I had been to dance school, I could get some credits. And then I created my own major and I worked with a mentor. And I was like, I want to read. I had just, someone had given me a book by Toni Morrison. And I was like, I want to read this kind of literature. And I just assumed because she was, you know, an American writer and, you know, she was very famous, I assume, uh, that everyone had read her in high school. So I thought like Americans read, you know, like her and people like her in high school versus like me coming from Europe read like Shakespeare and like all of those because that's what they belong. I didn't realize people didn't, you know, didn't read Toni Morrison in high school, but I found that out many years later. So I read uh, just like, I was just introduced to a lot of really great writers. I remember like reading like Jump of the Hero for the first time or like Sound of Sisters or, you know, uh, Amy Tan and like, it was just, and I read from different continents. And again, like I love reading about cultures and understanding history through, uh, through the arts. So it's, through literature, through dance, I think it makes a lot more sense for me than reading a history book. So yeah, I, got, I was really into that and yeah, and, and writing. So yeah, that was my college degree. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and uh, and at the same time, you got to dance for yourself, which is, I, I had a conversation again in the out and about, just randomly talking to somebody. <laughs> I was in the <laughs> park yesterday and then I don't know, there's this guy and his wife sitting out there and so like amazing New York like they were just like brown bagging a couple beers and it was this like beautiful sunny day and they had their their kid there and their stroller and they were just sitting there chatting and they were both sipping on beers and started talking to this guy and I was like oh like what do you do and he said he's a sound engineer and he's a musician but he's been bartending and it was kind of this idea a little bit of what you were talking about that like basically like you know the money to be made in art ruined the art for him you know the fact that it like you know like you know art and an art business don't don't really go together all the time maybe most of the time most of the time yeah and yeah and creating the situation where you're like I can go do the art and not have the pressure of having to make money on it yeah allows it to be that rich thing yeah you know that that it was or or maybe it's meant to be I don't know you know it's it's it but he was like yeah it changed it for me and you know I don't I don't feel as inspired to like go out and do it, especially when there's the demand to like make, like, like somehow my rent has to be paid by it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, like being like valued, you know, as an artist and it's like, and it, it, it I mean, it messes with your head. Cause you're like, am I good? Am I, am I even, you know, like the, cause usually the reason why you get into, you know, art in the first place, like you'd love to express yourself and there's like so much going on. And you're like, oh, you know, this is amazing. You don't really think about like, you know, oh yeah, this could sell for, you know, <laughs> you know, however much money. It's just so much of like your inside that you just want to share and you just want to put out there. And that's what I think it's just so amazing about, you know, artistry. And then when you have to put a price on it, it just becomes a lot of self-doubt comes in and you're like, am I even good enough to, you know, do this, to dance, to write, to, you know, but then, you know, so you kind of have to sometimes just like figure out what can I do to pay my bills (laughs) and still have this, you know, um, still be with my, uh, my craft, um, which is, you know, it's you, you can't really leave your craft 
I can't, can't really not, like, I can't imagine not dancing or not writing or not, you know, even if I, it would only be, even if it is a smaller part of my everyday life, but um, to not do it would be, no, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think that part of the tragedy is that, you know, I think more and more about the idea that art is this way of like picking up where the words leave off, right? And it's this way of like getting glimpses of every person's unique experience of the world, right? Like their unique subjective experience, like that that's, you know, the, the, the consciousness that like is going on in each person's world, because we often forget that it's different for every person. Yeah. And art is this way of getting like glimpses. And it's like that, that helps all of us as like a, as a group, as a collective, right? The more kind yeah. of little lenses we've gotten to see through, the more information we have and helps us navigate things together. And when, when we start, when people start being told like what art is worth being seen on like the, the business level and what isn't being, and what isn't worth being seen, we, we're missing out on like lots of like uh, perspectives and, and yeah. you know, different consciousness lenses that would benefit the the greater good in, in ways that I can't articulate because I don't know because the events haven't emerged yet. But just knowing yeah. that like everybody having like senses of of what each person is going through, like it helps, you know. I you know I say yeah. like the more information we have, the better predictions we can make. And it's just one of our ways of like sharing information and taking in information. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally yeah, that resonates with me so much because I do, you know, I love, um, I mean, any kind of art and I, people like, I'm not an artist. And I, I often say that when I work with people, because I, even if you don't see yourself in, as an artist, but you have you, like, just like this, um, you know, this drive, this urge, this long to like, just express yourself, right? Like to, you know, you take in things, you digest them and then you digest them and they come out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, versus holding everything in. And, you know, as, and it's true what you're saying, everyone comes with such different experiences from so many like different worlds that like overlap and that we can't really, you know, it's hard to like separate, but when they all come together and you get to express that, it's just so, just so powerful, right? And like, and being able to use languages that is beyond words, like words are so, words are amazing. <laughs> I say that and I'm also like, oh, I hate words, but I don't, I do love words because they're powerful, but like all the spaces in between words, like, that is like where just like there's so much magic that happens this you know like this textures and images and you know imaginations and like memories and then the way that we as human beings can really you know like remember something and that can trigger something else and like how we are connected like even when we're not like together and like there's just so much of like our inner world that I think is so interesting and when that comes out it's it's just really rich um to 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 witness and and to you know take part of and and and, and to just be able to express so yeah yeah and if it didn't matter evolution would have 
done away with it. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it matters, you know, like, yes. like it, on, a, on an evolutionary level, like that matters. Yes, it does. It, it absolutely does. Because otherwise we would have just like not doing it and just be like in this pockets. And I think that's going back to like the technology and the disconnect and all of these things. Like, like we, you said before, like we're kind of limiting ourselves of, you know, kind of putting ourselves in like these pockets and and not having that spontaneous like randomness and that's you know, that's part of our experience right that's how we you know how that's how we experience the world if things are not linear they're not you know predictable it's like being able to exist in all different situations and uh, with different people and um, in different you know uh, settings and that's also when like we become you know fuller or like we can really feel like oh we're like expanding in a way and not not that we weren't full before but like we're allowing ourselves to take like a little bit more space versus just kind of like pocketing ourselves in and like I need to do this and this and this and then it's it, things become really small and I yeah I don't I don't like that I like when things are just this mm-hmm. <laughs> moving yeah yeah like there's a it's funny, I think people forget that they're like moving through the world every day. Yeah. You know? um, because there's like an attempt to like create rigidity and create walls when it's like everything is much like gooier and, and vibrating and and shaking and 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 molding and and changing. It's just happening yeah. in, in in a time, like a time scale that like people can't see always. Yeah, yeah. And I think people also just think about movement you know, like you say, then people moving around in the world every day. And I say that all the time, like, how did you get, you know, from your bed to the bathroom this morning? Like you, you didn't just like snap your fingers and then all of a sudden you're sitting on the toilet. Like yeah. <laughs> you got there somehow, like you did it. You know? like, yeah. And that, you know, and like that, uh, we kind of were in this vehicle, like our physical body and we're doing all of these things, but if we're doing them kind of from the, you know, on a, brain point of view like where we just have things planned versus even just being in our body on a on a daily basis and just uh being able to you know absorb and 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 to um you know ingest and digest all of the experience we're often very like shut down and sometimes i understand i mean like it's for you know protection and i get that but um yes the fact that we uh just you know things are rigid and linear but in in the world and the way that we actually go about the world it's not like that like if we were maybe like a little bit more in our in our bodies on an everyday basis we realize like things are just actually going in like circles and you know doodles versus Mm -hmm. a straight line I don't think any of us have ever had a day where like beginning to end it went exactly as planned word for word moment for moment step for step it's all like no (laughs) it's all like even the most planned day is 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 full of randomness yeah and I mean this is what I think about and like what 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 I teach where I'm like or present I don't even say teach is just the idea that like you know we the world is random and rather than trying to like stop the randomness, like we're better to just be prepared for it. 
Yeah. You know, and yeah. the, that looks a lot different on a, on a practice level than I think what we see in a lot of places. Like, I think there's a lot of like, how do we kind of define and, you know, make rigid and, and sculpt and, and methods and, and this is exactly how it's done when it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just not, it's not going to be that way. When people walk out the door, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, I mean, I think we want things to be, you know, people want things to be rigid. It's easier if like we could predict things because it is, you know, depending also look in what worlds that worlds that you are, you know, um, having to go into and like how, you know, safe or not safe you feel. So I do understand there's a level of like, you know, protecting ourselves um, in which like it would, it's harder to let go of that rigid, um, you know, idea of, okay, let me be a little bit more loose or let me be a little bit more open. But uh, I think that if the world just looked different, if we embrace different things, you know, that even if it's just a small part that we can be more malleable or more open, um, you know, we don't have to, I usually say like, when I, I teach it's like it doesn't have to it's not like the whole movement has to change or like when I teach dance like the whole body has to change you can focus on just like one little thing whether it's like your you know your thumb I don't know um and uh so if we were just encouraged to even do that but I think you know it's we live in a world that doesn't really encourage these things they want we want things to be rigid and have a plan everything is about having a plan having a plan and having a goal and achievement that's that's the world that we live in it's not about like hey let's play <laughs> let's be let's see what we could just do today and then we'll maybe never visit that again and you know maybe just explore uh what that is even if it doesn't lead to anything like that's not really the world that we live in it's not really encouraged it's like too time consuming right um and time is money in this world so right 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 so it's like everything has to be done for the sake of productivity yes <laughs> yeah when, when did you start teaching uh, so I started, so like after I went to college, I worked and had some random jobs and then I started pole dancing back in like 2007. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like probably one of the first pole dance instructors here in, uh, in, in New York, maybe in the United States. I don't know. I remember I only knew pole dancers like on YouTube. There weren't like a tons of studios or anything. Um, and then, so that's where I started teaching pole and my first, you know, years of pole, I taught, you know, very, very rigid, very structured, uh, dance also coming from like, I grew up with dance when dance was very rigid and structured of like, you know, like someone's just standing there and like five, six, seven, eight. And like, if you didn't do it, like you were just out. It was like, no, <laughs> even in that world was not very, um, wasn't very encouraged to like be yourself. It's not like today that like I know companies today are much more like, yes, let's collaborate. Let's bring out your strengths. It was like, you have to look this way. You have to do this way. It was, you know, it's like very strict. So I come from that upbringing. Um, and so when I started teaching pole, 
it was, I taught very much like that. And the studio that I was at was also very much like that and very technical, very one, two leads to three kind of thing. But then I started dancing um, with a uh, contemporary dance company on Pulse and it's called the Pulse Project. And um, it was uh, ran uh, by my, my, well, I got to know her friend, uh, Brooke Notary. And uh, she introduced me to like a, just a different way of pole, like just like the interaction and of pole was different. So then I shifted my teaching much of that because I started exploring for myself and starting to find other people who I was like, oh, this is much more fun than just doing this like rigid thing. And yeah, so I just, I kept teaching and I did a lot of artistic coaching for people who performed or competed. And this is back like maybe like 2012, 13, 14, 15. I spent a lot of time in LA at the choreography house when that was open uh, and just went back and forth between New York and LA. And uh, yeah, taught a lot of, you know, pole and contemporary uh uh, dance on poles which I still do um, but yeah I don't really I mean I still teach but my teaching has moved over to a much more you know um, body mind connection uh, style of teaching a freestyle and prompt based and really just exploring and uh, and it's also just been in line with my own my own journey as a dancer and as a mover I feel like I've always been in the arts I've always wanted to express myself and I always have like I was singing and dancing as a child I did arts like I've all, it's always been my life to have this so it's not weird for me to go in between different um, modalities of art uh, artistic expression but yeah, so I've been teaching for a long time and I, I still do and I, I love it. I don't teach as much these days. And I think it's because like I'm not really sure where I'm heading, but I love when I teach. I think it's 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 really it's it's very different for me to teach today than it was, you know, six, seven years ago or even 10 years ago. Or um, but uh, yeah, it's like it's like you we come in with all this experience and uh, today I feel like my teaching is less of teaching and just more of facilitating, holding space, you know, co-creating, collaborating. Um, and it's, it's just as much of a learning and, 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 and interaction for me as a, as a, as a facilitator than it, than, um, it is for me as like teaching. I don't really see myself as a teacher. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like, uh, like I don't know, evolving into this place where we're like showing up with questions rather than answers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, you you just have like a nice bag of what ifs. Yes. You know. <laughs> totally. You know, and again, I mean, it challenges kind of like modern paradigms, but like because people are so craving of answers, but like man, like when you yeah. show up with what ifs, like, man, like, as you said, it's more of like a, a collective art piece that unfolds. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, those are like people cr creating magic, you know? And, exactly. And then they're, and I don't know, it's like people think that they want skills, but moving through life, like the potential to like really listen 
is like, that's the thing. It's everything. Oh my <laughs> that's goodness. The, that's the thing. Like, yes. like, I don't know. The double backflip is amazing. I love it. I think it's, <laughs> I, like, it's, I, I can watch it and be totally enthralled by it. But like when somebody like can really listen, I'm like, that's magic. And listen to it moments, is. listen to people, listen to the situation, interact, yeah. you know, like so many of the things, like so many skills, like the wall stops with like your own skin and bones. Right. And, and, you know, same with choreography or anything that's just laid out a certain way. It's like, it's not often, it doesn't ask as much of like in relation to, whereas like right. the listening is always in relation to something. It's always in relation to the group or the person or like also internally and externally in the spaces. It's like, it's all, it's the all at once-ness. Yes, I love that. Yes, I feel the same. Uh, and listening, and I say, uh, oftentimes when I teach, I, I say, you know, like being able to listen, not with, you know, your ears, but really listen with the body. Like, what does the body say? Like, what does the body say to you? But also like how, like, we hear so much through like our senses, right? Like whether it's like energy, it doesn't necessarily have to be something someone says, but just like being able to sense things and being able to like, you know, be be with it. And in that moment when people are, it's, it's just like, you said, it's just magical. <laughs> I feel like oftentimes I go into classes and I'm like, wow, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. And I have somewhat like of a loose plan, but like, but it really is based on everyone's input, what people are sharing that makes the class. If people weren't sharing and I was just teaching, I would just, I think it would just be really boring. But, um, but what people, what comes up, because the things that I'm like, wow, I did not, I'd never thought of that, you know, like, that is so cool that that person experienced that, and they did the same prompt, and they completely went two different ways, and then it all somehow comes together, and yes, people are interested, in like, how can I be better at this, and how can I, how can I do this, and how can I do that, and I think, yes, that those are great questions, and those are really cool things to have, but I, me and my movement and dance and artist journey I'm just not there like I'm just like <laughs> I'm like but now when we do all these things like what is movement for movement sake you know like how can we you know you know source the things that we have from in our daily lives as human beings in this you know, vehicle that we walk around with every day in the world or wheel around with or wh whatever you, you're, you know, however you exist in the world, like how can we use that? And what, like how, you know, versus like, okay, this is how you do this or this is how you get better at this. Because in the end of the day, it's like, we, because we are so different and we understand things differently and we take things in differently, the way that we express things are also gonna be differently, even if we're expressing the same, like if you and I were like both expressing, like let's express joy. Like my expression of joy is gonna be very different than your expression of joy, but it's still gonna be joy, right? It's like based on your experience and then it's my, me and my experience. And then, like you said, we having this like <laughs> together joy also, right? This overlapping, so there's, there's just so much to pull from, which I, I think is most uh, 
what I'm most fascinated by working with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's again, like in, in art, that's, that's, that's that idea of like getting glimpses of everybody's unique experience in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what it is? It's almost like when you're, when you're kind of humbly taking the role of facilitator, it's not like, it's not like anyone is, people are going to learn what they need to learn, but it's also this like unearthing of like, what's already there. Yeah. Like the potential that already exists. It's like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to give you senses. You're not going to give anybody senses. We just need to go remind remind ourselves how to listen with them yes exactly like all the resources are already there like you're not adding anything extra like we're all i you know we're all coming in and i'm of the you know belief that i come in and i'm an expert of my body and my experiences you're an expert of your experiences and, and your body and and no one can you know no one's going to be a more expert on you than you and it's just what you're saying it's all of the resources are there it's not we we want to learn more because a lot of times like oh I should do more I should do this just you know as dancers artists movers but also as in our you know everyday life right it's like oh I should do more of this or you know there's always like this shooting happen (laughs) happening but when you you know step into spaces like this everything is there are the all the resources are there within everyone and like being able to pull from that is you know like you're saying we're just kind of opening and allowing ourselves to sense and to to be curious to what that is and letting you know imagination kick in letting creativity kick in and be like oh okay this is really cool or this is not cool I hate it but that's too is is an observation (laughs) I don't know it can be either or it's not it's not always cool but um yeah that's uh, very important but it's also something and there's something so freeing about it about it where yeah. it's like there's so many places where it's like you go in and it's like we have to have this toolbox or that toolbox to participate in like this is basically saying like everything that you've got is is just what you need like you already have the yes. tools you have yeah. the tools right now <laughs> like you, like again it's like if you're walking through the world today or yeah. however you're getting through the world, frankly. Yeah, if yeah. If, you, if you're existing in the world today, like you have, you have the tools to, yeah. to, to live in moments and, and, and experience them and express them and interact with them and play with them. And it doesn't have to look the same way as anyone else's and it shouldn't, but you have the tools yeah. to do to you, but you have the tools to do it rather than being like, oh, well, I got to learn this thing before I can do that thing. And then I can do this thing. It's like, it's, you know, but there's progressions and there's ways. And it's like, no, no, you get to show up today and do it. Yeah. And walk out and be like, you just did it as much as everybody else. I know. And it's so, it's so wonderful to be in spaces like that, but it's very rare, I think, to be in space. I mean, again, we don't live in a world that that really happens. And even with, you know, most classes, you know, and, and I know for like in Paul, for instance, I, I understand like we can't, you know, there's a lot of technique classes, which, you know, you need to learn and to like not, you know, fall on your head and all of these things. But just spaces in general, like if I think about it, yes, in my home and, you know, with 
<laughs> some movement people you're like you know you're free and you're doing all these things and you explore but most of the time in our lives like we're, that's not really encouraged it's not like you go to like oh I'm gonna go to this exploration center <laughs> down the street and we're just gonna explore you know uh what what the uncertainty would be like today that's that's doesn't really there's no you know there's either you go to work which most workplaces are not going to be like let's explore this unless it is like let's explore this idea because we need to sell this project product um but then even in a lot of i think movement spaces i don't know if i don't i don't know if there's tons of those spaces either um that where that happens i mean like i know some but and it's i think it can be a bit intimidating for people sometimes because there are no answers so when people actually have to rely on themselves and actually trust that they have everything and that the group that they're with also have every has everything um but yes i do um i do love when it's like we have everything that we that we need and that we can do so much with what we have. We don't really need a lot of outside things to like come in. And I, I absolutely love working with groups because there's so much wealth in there already. And I am a big fan of really just kind of harnessing and uh, encouraging and, you know, um, embracing all of the things that we have versus trying to be something that is not in the group that we're not someone is not coming in with um so yeah what, what are you said that um you're not teaching as much now so i'm curious like what, what your days look like now like what are what are some of the things that you're well, doing working on <laughs> well i do have like a, a admin job uh, <laughs> to pay my bills which i do f- uh, monday through thursday and I teach, I teach every uh, Thursday evening, um, and which is a, I love, it's a, called Unstructured, it's a freestyle class, and um, I teach it, I used to teach it online during COVID, and I taught it at Incredible before COVID, I'm back to teaching it at Incredible now, um, and that is very much of like exploring movement uh, through freestyle. Um, and then I teach a contemporary pole dance. Sometimes I do it as a series and sometimes just like as a class. Um, and I also just recently started doing a lot of movement and creative uh, work with adoptees. Uh, I'm an adoptee from Indonesia and I was adopted when I was 30 days old and um, to Sweden. So. Uh, that is a whole different, you know, group of people who have no, most of them have no dance or movement background, um, but I use guided movement and creative expression, like art, art, arts, drawing and painting and writing um, as a form of uh, exploring a lot of topics and themes in relation to our adoptee journeys. And uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of trauma that's involved in, in, in that. And so it's a way of not staring trauma in the eye, but really being able to um, 
interact and create dialogue within ourselves uh, in a way that it's where we can have that, you know, creative uh, power, creative decision to step into something or step away from something, which is something in everything that I teach that is very important to know that, you know, if you're curious about something and it feels good, go with it. And then if you're, if it doesn't feel good, pick something else, you know, <laughs> you have so much there. So, uh, yeah, so I do, um, monthly workshops and I work so I work with uh, uh, adoptees only in in a similar but not full-on just like dance dance world but as a healing process that's beautiful how did you how did how did you like connect with uh with those groups or those people uh well I was never really interested in my own journey until a few years ago a couple of years ago and it's in the adoptee world it's called like coming out of the fog it's a term that I don't really, I don't love the term, but what it means is like when you look, when you start seeing your uh, adoptee journey and your adoption from a different perspective versus like the only like the rose colored glasses of just being, you know, adoption is great. And all of the, the general narrative of the adoption industry, which is, you know, created by non-adoptees and created for adopted parents and not created by um, adoptees or for adoptees. So again, going back to this, I like to use resources within, you know, within a group that we have versus taking things from the outside. So I came out of the fog about like two years ago and started questioning my my journey as an adoptee and um, what that has meant to me as a transracial adoptee growing up in a white family and in a predominantly white country at the time. Uh, also what it's like to be separated from your first family and uh, physiologically how we're, you know, what effect that has on your body uh, on, on a mental health level and on, on many different levels. And just looking at my life and in the ways that I've uh, been challenging or in the ways that I've struggled and I've always turned to art and dance and movement because I felt like that was the only place that I could really you know uh, express myself or kind of be with my feelings or because I couldn't I couldn't use the words I couldn't express a lot of things so then when this happened I I went on this <laughs> I, I don't know this journey the past couple of years which was really hard. And it was a lot of grief work. It was a lot of work of sitting with things that I, you know, was very uncomfortable for me. And also in both in a, an inner landscape kind of world, but also in a global um, understanding the systems, understanding the, you know, the corruption, the illegal adoptions that happened during the time for many, many years understanding how countries make money, understanding the, you know, you know, Northern or Sweden, like turning the blind eye to a lot of these things and how thousands of us are just are left with, you know, no, nothing, meaning like no real paperwork, just, and they're just straight up like kidnappings and bribery and things like that. So I learned a lot about um, a different world of, you know, an actual the world that we live in. And then I learn a lot about my inner world in relation to that and understand, 
understanding the connections throughout my lives of perhaps why I have felt a certain way in certain situations and why I have struggled in certain ways in certain situations. So with all of that being said, it just kind of automatically, I sought out, you know, adoptees. And luckily the past couple of years, adoptees have really been speaking out, both the younger generation who's grown up with internet. So in that way, I'm so grateful, but also the older generation uh, of, of my generation who were adopted like back in the seventies, pre-internet because we didn't you know we didn't connect the way that the younger generation of adoptees do and because trauma is something that starts in the body right I also believe that the healing part also has to start in the body for anyone yeah and it's whatever your trauma is and I do a lot of trauma-informed work and I work, I have a mentor who is a, you know, um, an arts therapist and all of that, but we, we want to make sense of things and we want to understand them. And like, we want to just like, okay, this is the answer. So let me go with that. And it's really, really powerful when you bring it into the body, you know, as for me as an adoptee and working with adoptees, but also for any sort of trauma, right? Like it's, it affects us, you know, in, 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 our, in our whole system, not just as an idea or a memory, but in the way that we hold, you know, our memories in our bodies and the way that we, that shows up in, in all of the senses, right? So the work that I do is very much of like um, sensing, exploring, questioning, dialogue within and also dialogue you know in, in, in as a collective as a group um of like what it what is the language that we're creating or the vocabulary that we're creating and I think that's important for any group that I work with that it is the vocabulary of what we create versus the vocabulary of the outside world that's really really powerful for anyone to transform or change or even shift or even just be able to like sit with um in their body so yeah wow that's uh that is amazing work and <laughs> yeah and I and I and I admire like I don't know so much of it like the willingness to kind of like get in there and and explore your own story like to to be with people who are navigating it as well like to the ability to hold space for for that is 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 unique and challenging as well um yeah, yeah so that's that's um that's amazing. Are there any like resources that you would recommend for people who are kind of, I don't know, whether it's, you know, trauma related or whether it's, it's some of these programs that you're, you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I really, I'm a big fan of, um, I mean, for adoptees, uh, they can't, I, there's a, there's a bunch of different podcasts that I think are interesting and I've listed them. I have like an adoptee, resource list in my link tree <laughs> that they can go to um for people in general who are interested in uh you know um trauma-informed work uh i there's a lot of different i am a fan of uh, the tamalpa institute in northern california mm-hmm. uh i think they have um a lot of great 
uh, it's a, you know, they use creative arts and, and dance and movement and for, for non-artists, non-dancers, right? Uh, to really explore their inner world, whether it is trauma or not, uh, but it's a very, very interesting way, I think, of exploring and expressing yourself more where we don't have words. And a lot of times when it comes to when it comes to trauma, it is, it's, it's not so much to be, like it's hard to have the words, right? Because some of people's trauma, we don't remember, we don't recall in words, but the body still remembers it, right? So it's like, I'm sure you've read the book, like the body keeps the score. Like I read it like twice. I mean, it's a dense book, but it's, it really is that, right? The body holds, but it holds everything, even if you can't, you know, remember it, like, because a lot of trauma uh, is also blocked out from people, like, in, in a verbal sense, but it's not blocked out in a, in a physical, or, like, in a, in a, in a, an embodied way, I should say, not just physical. Um, so, I love the Tamalpa Institute, I think they have great, they have workshops, um, you know, like, workshops and workshop series, and it's a, again, it doesn't have to be about trauma, but it's just a way to, move and create and uh, do it with, you're know, exploring different parts of the body in relation to your life. And I, I really love that. I also think it's like valuable work for like anybody who's like getting in front of groups and facilitating to just like spend some time thinking about these things, like learning about it a little bit, because like, again, everybody's like arriving in unique and different places yeah and like this information goes a long way and just being like at the very least having compassion for like where people can be coming from when they show up in the room like maybe it provides tools maybe it provides an understanding maybe it just you know expands your idea of like what it means to be in a group or hold space or whatever but yeah i think about it with people who consider themselves facilitators or teachers like having some experience or knowledge with with you know, trauma, I think it goes a long way in like creating a, a space that, um, I don't know, that, that feels, call it safer or feels more welcoming or feels uh, like they're listened to. I don't know. I think that there's, there's, there's a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because people do come in with, from different ways and whether they have, whether they see their, if, you know, are, Kind of working on their trauma or not or whatever you know uh different worlds in different ways that we're coming from i think as facilitators it's always good to be you know have a more of a understanding compassion um and just doing the work ourselves <laughs> too mm -hmm. uh you know in whatever way that that is and 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 and, and, and just keep being curious about, you know, ourselves and, and therefore other people as well. And I think that's for me also like working in groups, it is a, in, you know, it is an internal or individual uh, process of healing, but it, it really is also a communal or a collective way, you know, when you can, 
relate to other people or when someone says something that you're like oh I never thought about that or that's exactly what I wanted to say I just didn't have the words right um and as a facilitator being able to give space to everyone's experience and for me the sharing in in any group work that I do is the most important and I say that because um it is the way that I practice uh, you know, inclusion and diversity. It's not something that I'm just learning from the outside. Like I'm constantly learning. What is it like to include, you know, different bodies? What is it like to include different experiences, right? And because so many of the experiences and the bodies I, I don't have, right? So being able to um, hold the space for that, I think it's very, very important. And for, for people to feel like that is, you know, it's it's a safe space to do it too. Otherwise, it's hard to fully explore and feel free and, you know, um, let it really open up to the imagination and the creativity if we don't feel like we're being heard and seen in the space. Yeah, and it really like, uh, I guess it really asks to like, ex- may potentially and probably likely expand what, we mean by like inclusivity yeah right because there are places that i know talk about being inclusive and 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 think they are being inclusive and and i've thought at different times i was being inclusive only to realize like oh like to be inclusive asks for like something more yeah it asks for you know a lot of it asks for a lot um and it's you know it's also a level of trust of like how much we you know trust ourselves and trust the group and trust the space that we're in um and also being able to you know for everyone in the group to be mindful and respectful of everyone's you know um experiences as well right so it is um yeah, and, 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 and inclusion just looks, and it looks different for different times and different people at all times. Um, but I, I, I believe it's very important to, 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 for me to practice that at least, because um, I think that's when people can feel more, you know, free and open to explore um, the, the things that we explore in class together. Yeah. Um, what, what is the best way for people to connect with you? What do you prefer? Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, I actually don't drink coffee, but yes. Uh, uh, Instagram would be like the, the best way, uh, which is, I never remember my Instagram name. It's, um, a Grundstrom 411. Okay. Um, it's my Instagram. That's for my dance. And then uh, from there, I also have an adoptee account for those who are interested at Anna Body Mind. I also have a website, AnnaGrunstrom.com, where you can, uh, and you can email me and DM me or message in a bottle, take me out for a cup of tea. I'm, I'm totally down. Amazing. I am <laughs> so happy that we got to do this. <laughs> me too. <laughs> this was amazing. Yeah, this was really, really great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. This is the best.